Hello, everybody, and welcome to the We Banter Book Club Podcast. I am Maddie, here with... Courtney, hello! And today is going to be the second half of our Kotar series review, so we're going to be doing A Court of Frost and Starlight and A Court of Silver Flames, and we will have Riel and Amanda joining us again. Yes, uh, before we get even into this, I know for a fact I'm going to be a hater when it comes to a frost and starlight that is honest to god ruined reading for me i hate that book <laughs> um but it's basically i see a christmas special but it's not even a good christmas special no it's no. boring it's literally i saw i'm gonna make uh, no i'll i'll talk about it after we, when we're recording it but um yeah i am looking forward to talking about the second or not the second the second book that we're talking about today but the fourth fifth book of technically it's the fourth because the other one's just like a novella because the other one's a novella yeah but uh yeah i'm excited i'm happy to have our guests on again they had a lot of great insight the last time um so we're excited uh this is probably going to be one of our last special episodes and then we're going to get back into mm-hmm. our normal grind of yep. book reviewing um until but oh yeah go ahead we have uh we'll have we'll have more guests on this summer. We have something planned that will be a long-term series because it's the books are a series, but there's so many of them that you know, we should just uh spread them out a little bit. Um yeah. so we'll have guests on for that and then I know that you also want to have guests on for when we do my killer vacation. So, yes. Yeah. So we got a lot in the works, but it's yeah. going to be coming down the line later on. So yep. we're excited and we'll catch you with our guests. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Woody Banter Book Club podcast. Uh, we already did an intro for this, so we're just going to hop right into our discussion. So in the last episode, we had I gave a, I gave a summary and Brielle gave a summary for Akawar. Grace, who is not with us today, did Akatar. No. Yeah, no, and then, Courtney, you did um, Akamath, right? Something like that. Okay, so then that leaves us with two books. So we are going to be talking about these two today. Um, We're going to start with A Court of Frost and Starlight, my personal nemesis. Um, (laughs) And who who here would like to give the uh, summary for this one? I don't remember it too much. I just know that there was a necklace thrown into the water angrily. That's right. Is that a yeah, correct? Yeah, I feel like correct? there's actually, there's like not so much to say about it. It's all fluff. There's not really, there's some plot, but it's mostly, it's a recovery period after Akawar. And I think that it, it really just starts with celebrating the holidays um, with the whole inner circle. And that's pretty much what you see throughout the entire thing. Um, the inner circle has gathered together, but some are closer than others after the like after what's happened during the war. Um, Nesta has completely isolated herself and decided that her coping, coping mechanisms are isolation, sex, and drinking. Um, while as everyone else is kind of healing together. I mean, that's pretty valid, though. So, and then we'll get into it more. <laughs> the whole thing sounds very traumatic, so, like, I don't, I'm not going to blame her. <laughs> what yeah. else would you do? Yeah, right? Um, so, the inner circle are kind of coming to terms with everything that just went down over the course of the last year. All of this, all of the last three books, really took place over the course of one year. 
So we're kind of wrapping up that year with this book um, and celebrating the holidays all together. It takes some convincing to bring Nesta there. Nesta has been spending all of um, <laughs> the High Lord and the High Lord Lady's money um, on her various uh, coping mechanisms, and she is reluctant to join them, but they are all especially passionate about having her there because they want to be a big happy family after everything that just went down. Uh, meanwhile, like kind of bringing us to this holiday celebration, there are some fun little festivities happening. There's a lot of shopping, which is not Maddie's favorite part of the book. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a good snowball fight. Um, there's a lot of sex. This is just kind of this fluffy, happy relationship family coming together after the brutality of the last year. And it was really interesting to see in this one, and we'll get into the discussion too, is that as this is all kind of happening, they're also keeping tabs on what's happening with the Lyrian war camps, because after this war and after so many people have died, they're getting a little antsy. And there have always been kind of tensions uh, between the Bat Boys and the Illyrian war camps after their history there, but also things are just, tensions are at an all-time high, and they're kind of keeping watch. Cassian keeps going back to kind of keep tabs on them, but at the same time, he's trying to convince Nesta that, like, you should really be part of this family. I'm really interested in getting to know you. So this kind of whole book is the shifting of relationships that prepares you for the last one, I think, but also building tension with uh, the Illyrian war band and the the human queens. It's like, what kind of happened to them after the war? What's what's to come? Um, where did Jurian go? Like, what is going on over in that circle? And it's really just a nice, in my opinion, a stepping stone to transitioning the story away from Feyre and Resand because their love story is kind of starting to wrap up here like the, their traumas their experiences kind of ended with well you think <laughs> with Akawar. um and this kind of takes us into learning more about other characters like Moore and like Elaine and Nesta and Cassian and Azriel and kind of builds um kind of the part two to this storyline and kind of where this will go in the future, which starts with A Court of Silver Flames, which we'll be getting into a little bit later. But I think that's pretty much it. I'm not sure that there's, it's really short. So there's not a ton yeah. to, to I really like that but... this one is the first time that they have um, all, all different perspectives. Like I enjoyed that, mm -hmm. that even if it was for a chapter that I got to get into the mind of one of the other characters, which I think like will be cool for whatever comes after Akasif because like, we know, we still know nothing about Asriel or Elaine or more, basically. You know, like, there's so much more to get, so it's cool to get into their brains a little bit in this one. Yeah. I thought no, it was fun totally in that right. Is it, is it, is it, is it, like, life-changing? No. no. Is it fun <laughs> if you love the series so far? Yes. Maddie, I know you haven't loved the series so far, so at this point, you're just like, fine, <laughs> over with. <laughs> I, this one, this book took me significantly longer to read than this one. Oh like God, I, Maddie. like this one, like I, I, okay. So I was reading the Goodreads reviews after I read this book because I wanted to see if maybe I was just being too harsh. Like maybe like I was just like so pissed off about the ending of Aquawar and like nobody dying and like no consequences happening throughout these, which is something that I still am going to criticize. I still think that there is literally no consequences to anybody's freaking actions like the main tr i don't know the, uh, the bat boys the archeron sisters like all they no there's no consequences to them so like anything that they do they're they're safe like they're not gonna die and so it, it ruins the fun of like fantasy if like people aren't freaking dying but i was reading this and people who really love the series 
really don't like this book. And I think that the reason I can summarize why I don't like this one. First of all, um, total cash grab. Everything in this story is like unnecessary. Even the parts where you're establishing, you know, like Cassian trying to get to know Nesta for Akasif, that could have easily been a prologue or an epilogue. It didn't have to be a whole, I don't know, what is this, like 300 pages? 229 pages of stuff. I also, I don't understand why we needed to know so much about fey periods, but there was like, <laughs> like three or four pages about having a period as a fey, and how it only I feel comes... like that's important for some of the stuff that happens in Akasif, no? <laughs> no, I don't really think so, because it's like, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to like just throw it in there so randomly and it's like oh by the way fey periods are really bad but they only come twice a year and I'm like okay well, what was like I think that contributes to the fact that like that's why they have a lower pregnancy rate is because they're not like well, like that's why children are so yes. rare right I mean she did go into a lot of detail and side note when you said cash grab yeah. I looked at the screen and Brielle Amanda and I were all making the exact same face which is this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, it, this particular, listen, I, I think that there are some really good options for her to do novellas for this series. And, like, this just was not a good, like, way of doing a novella for this series. Maybe if she had done something where she focused more on, like, a side character like Helian, who we don't know a lot about, if she used the novella to just give us a background of a character like that, opposed to just being like, here's Feyre going shopping and having sex. Um, it just, like, I don't know. Well, I, I do uh, on think Goodreads, it so, assists... wait. Sorry. I have one more thing. Okay, go On ahead. Goodreads, one of, the, one of the reviews said that this book should be named A Court of Fucking and Shopping, and that made me laugh <laughs> so hard. That, that is all that I've happens that. in this book. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> but, I'm too easily, um, I'm very easily, I don't want to say manipulated, but like influenced by people's reviews. So I, before I read a book, I won't read the reviews on Goodreads. I just look at the star rating and if it's like above 3.4, 3.5, I'll give anything a shot, really. Even then, yeah. like three, I'll, whatever, could be my favorite book, whatever. So I don't read any of the reviews though, because if somebody's like, I hated this exact scene, I'm going to be like, well, now I hate that scene. So great. Yeah. Or my best friend told me she DNF'd a book, and then I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot, and then I DNF'd it, like, 80% of the way through, which is ridiculous, because I just should have finished it, but I just, I can't. So I just avoid the reviews, but they're so funny after the fact. Oh, I, I love reading them afterwards, because I, I like to be validated in my critiques, and so when I see <laughs> other people critiquing the same thing, I'm like, okay, I know that I'm not just an asshole, that, like, Valid. this is how other people also feel. So, um... Yeah, I'm very easily influenced by Goodread reviews, so I can't look at them until after either. But, um, and Maddie, when you were saying, like, she doesn't like this series because she feels like there's not a lot of consequences, right? People don't die. So I have been dying to get her to read Throne of Glass, and Amanda, you might be able to attest to this. But, like, there are some instrumental characters in that series that, like, go bye-bye. It's my, it's my favorite Sarah J. Mass series. I mean, I loved this one, but that one truly, like, it's a lot longer. But um, Maddie bought the first book. She bought Throne of Glass. So the kind of got her in. The, the entire series of Throne of Glass, not to go on a detour, but Throne of Glass is so much darker to me than 
yeah. Akitar ever ever was. Like the last book, I almost didn't even want to finish because I was like, oh my fucking god, this is sorry, that was a big curse word. Uh, <laughs> that was First a big one string. of the day. That was a big. Oh, string. Maddie said fucking and shopping. Yeah, I said fucking. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, but that one, I was just like, I this is just depressing. I'm depressed. I don't know if I can get through this. Like, so it definitely is a lot darker and heavier. And I think a lot of that is because there's not room for a bunch. It's definitely YA. Like there's no room for a lot of steamy smut. I think it does get a little bit smuttier towards the middle end, but it's not, it's just this dark war that goes on forever. It's just so, it's, it's horrible. It's, but it's awesome. It it's awesome. Me, it reminds me a lot more of, like, Game of Thrones type. Like, with all the politics that are happening, too. But, no, it's, it's definitely. Really, did you read really good Did you read that series? Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Tower of Dawn. I'm trying really hard to get through that book. Um, but I know oh, okay. most of what happens towards the end because of TikTok okay. and stuff. So, but I, I love that series. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, so... Side note, Maddie. <laughs> but yeah, this book was basically just like a Christmas special, which for most TV shows is like kind of a cringy episode. So that's just kind of what mm-hmm. I equate that to. But I, I do think it's a good transition from the war into what we get in this book, which is Nesta's perspective. Yeah. Um, there is one more thing I wanted to talk about in this book, and that is the fact that Feyre and Reese fuck in the sky <laughs> in front of like all swimming. I <laughs> not I'm... only do they have sex in the sky, but she keeps showing him images of their unborn child, which I think is like in the concept of the bone carver and like he saw the images and like this is who I think we're gonna have if we have children and all of that. It's like I know why she's showing it to him, but I just don't think it should be the thing that gets him off. That's that's no. my critique. I love this book. I think it's really silly and cute, but I just think it's odd that she notes on multiple occasions that she will send an image into his head of their child at like eight years old or a newborn or whatever. And it's like, here, this is what we have to look forward to. Nut. And I just don't yeah, like that. Yeah, Maria is giving <laughs> <right>. It's <laughs> giving Jacob and Renesmee. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Oh no. Yikes. Um, okay. So if you guys are okay, I'm I'm ready to move on to Akasif, which I actually oh, yeah. I really like this one mostly. There's a couple you guys are of making parts. me jealous. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta whip her copy out. That's right. You should do a little screenshot. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm here now. Okay. Uh, this is yeah, way more red. Oh. Hi. Maddie, yeah, right? it's it's uh, the saturation of my camera. Mm. Oh, because mm. my camera has no saturation in it, so I have to turn it up. Otherwise, Got I look it. like I'm black and white. Um, yeah. But uh, I want to talk about this one. There's a couple of I really okay. Here's the thing. I actually really enjoyed this book for the most part, but there are a couple of parts that I t- I listened to the audiobook for this one clarification okay i did not want to read it because i was sick of reading these books because this book actually ruined reading for me like i needed a break from looking at words so i, the drama. And, I 
And I was convinced that I was going to hate this because I was just like, I'm so over all of this. Like, I literally can't stand it anymore. But the audiobook was so fun and I, I really enjoyed listening to it. So I was it the, notes. Sorry, was it the audiobook that's like the, the theatrical Graphic. audio one or was it the, just like a regular audio? I, I don't really, I, this is only ever the second audiobook I've ever listened to, so Were there, I, like, multiple voice actors, or was it just one? Uh, it was, I think it's, like, two people who were doing it, but they would do different voices for each person, so I think it's not the theatrical one. I think it's just, like, a regular okay. audiobook. I heard the theatrical one is traumatizing. Oh, I, I can mean, imagine. Of, of, the, <laughs> of the first book, I don't know if they even have... I digress. Okay. Um... <laughs> So, I guess, should we just kind of, I don't know, all go just talk about this one all together? Cause I'll give this... a quick little plot summary. Like, okay, this, okay. this one follows Nesta. She's, she's got some trauma, and she's coping with it, as we mentioned, in some not-so-positive ways. Um, and she's spending all of Rhysand's money. He gets a little pissed, so they put her in timeout. Uh... And she, we find out she's a smut reader, like the rest of us, bless her heart. Um, and she also just starts to develop some of her own friendships, conquer some of her inner demons, develop her relationship with Cassian. So um, it's kind of, to me, a really beautiful story of like overcoming internal trauma and self-hatred uh, to let herself be loved by her family and the people who care about her. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the gist this one. Yeah. Um, it's so nasty. Let's, let's, yeah. Let's start oh, out. it's filthy. Yeah. It's filthy. Uh, I actually, I, I waited to listen to smut parts until I was with Terry so that he could <laughs> listen to them with me because it's so funny, some of them, that I was like, I need him to listen to this with me. So no, we'd be like, stop. there's one in particular that we'll talk about, which Amanda, your husband knows about because I would not stop talking about how disturbed I was by this particular <laughs> Wait, did you spoil who who this book is about? I haven't told him. Yes, I did, but I didn't realize that he didn't know. No! I didn't tell him what happens, but he was like, he was like, wait, it's about Nesta? And I was like, I thought you knew! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I felt so bad. Oh, man. Um, He didn't tell me. I wonder if he was going to keep that from me. Maybe he's, like, embarrassed. But he's like, oh, I don't want to manage to know that it's ruined. Yeah. Oh, no. But... I didn't spoil anything for her. I didn't, like, say mm-hmm. any of the plots or anything like that. Did like, you say who she was sleeping with? No, I just said mm-hmm. that there was one slime in this moment. book that that disturbed me. And Terry and I were half asleep when we heard it. And we both go, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's start with um, the obvious. And that is that this book starts off with Feyre and Reese treating Nesta like she's a fucking child. And I genuinely already hated Reese, but this book confirmed my hatred and, like, validated it. Like, I am completely valid in my distaste of Reese. I think that he's an asshole. And I actually want Courtney to talk about this a little bit because she pointed out to me that Reese and treats Feyre like how Tamlin did, but in it just a slightly different way. Yeah, so I think, like, the... the well, I think we have to get to an important plot point here, which is that mm-hmm. in this book... Feyre is pregnant, um, and it, anxiety and fear absolutely, like, consume Rhysand. He is 
terrified for a multitude of reasons, you know, uh, he's scared about how his own court is going to react, um, but it's also part of, like, their, their mating bond, right, that he is so anxious about all of this stuff, and it really starts to come to a head, like, they try and keep a lot of things from Feyre, namely that her pregnancy is going to be pretty dangerous, and, um, you know, the big problem with Tamlin, the breaking point with Tamlin was being locked in the house, right? She, Farah wanted to be useful. She basically freed all of Prithian and then she was treated as just like a figurehead. Um, and she wasn't allowed to do anything and then she was locked away. And in, in this book, she's not necessarily locked away, but Reese has like a force field around her essentially all of the time. He's keeping the truth from her. Um, because he's fearful of, like, how it's going to impact her. Um, but I, I think it's it's just kind of a prison of a different sort, right? And, like, it, it's, the same, it's the same way where, like, everyone around Tamlin knew what was going on probably shouldn't be happening, but they were too fearful to step in and stand up for Feyre, and that's why she eventually ended up getting locked in the house. And I think in the same regard here, like, everyone knew that they probably shouldn't have kept this from Feyre. Like, she's carrying the baby, um, and I feel like it, it's just another scenario where, like, Feyre is kind of, like, the butt of the joke, because everybody else knows what's going on, and it, 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 it affects her quite detrimentally. Um, but they, they keep it from her and they don't, they don't, I think, protect her in the way that they should. And I, I think a big part of that too is that a lot of the friends that Feyre has in this book are Rhysand's inner court, right? And like, so throughout the book, Nessa develops her own friendships with these characters, Emery and Gwyn, and we'll talk about them here in a little bit. But Feyre doesn't really have anyone who is like just her friend. Every person she has a friendship with is because of, of Reese and his existing 500-year relationship with them. And so all these people are keeping secrets from her because they also have to keep in mind that they have a loyalty to Reese Anne, and eventually Nesta is the one to kind of... Now, she does it out of hurt and anger, but she's the only one who refuses to lie to Feyre anymore. Um, and I think that, one, I think that's a really beautiful moment for their, their relationship going forward. I mean, obviously she shouldn't have done it in the way that she did. But I, I think Reese is just kind of creating a different sort of prison for Feyre in this book. And he, he's kind of, you know, tried to give her respect and stuff th throughout the previous two, three books. And I feel like he just really throws a lot of that away by keeping this big secret from her, which is that her pregnancy could potentially kill her. Um, mm -hmm. I think it shows that he doesn't trust her to, like, handle things the way that she should, which is exactly kind of what Tamlin did. So, um, I think we see a different side of Reese. I think fear can turn someone into somebody that they're not, maybe, but, uh, I don't know, by the end of the book, there's a lot of really good moments between Reese and Nesta where they kind of patch things up, but I, I do feel like it's kind of a, a prison of a different sort. That's what I, I thought was... Go ahead. I think there's something else um, that we want to mention too is that after Akawar, or I guess towards the very end, Reese and Feyre made a death pact mm -hmm. that if one of them goes down, they both go down, and that from that point forward, basically any near death experience will take them both out too. So not only was Reese Anne afraid to lose his wife and his partner mm -hmm. and his mate, 
but he was also afraid to die himself. Yeah. And I well, think then that's you shouldn't have made a death pact. Yeah. yeah, right? So it was interesting how, and the reason why her death or her pregnancy would be so like deadly was because her body was not shaped to accommodate an Illyrian child. And because they are, the baby had wings in the womb, there was no getting those wings out without shattering her pelvis and killing her. So it was extremely dangerous, not just for her, but also that they both would die and the entire unit would be lost. The baby would not survive, she would not survive, and then he would die as a result of their pack, which is, Nesta had a major problem with. The entire inner circle came together at the end. It was like, we're going to talk about this death pact you made because that's fucking stupid. Yeah. And that's true. I 100% agree as a reader. I see where, like, the romance, the fantasy, the dreaminess of that was important in Akawar, but to do that, and then to get pregnant and not have the resources or the, the tools in this fantasy world to do abortion services or to do C-sections or whatever it takes to make sure that neither of them die was not an option. And I yeah. think I don't validate Rhysand's concerns and his pr- imprisonment in that way of Feyre because he should have told her. I 100% believe that everyone should have told her. And I, even though Nesta did it wrong and she did it out of spite, um, it was also that... Um, the, the fear and the way that they went about it was fear for them himself as well. And that was really yeah. interesting to kind of see. I agree. And I think too. I thought what was cool was that. Sorry. No, go ahead, Amanda. I was just going to say, I, I think it's cool that SJM has created a character like Reese, who for most people, maybe not you, Maddie, but for most people is loved by all he after coming off of Tamlin and like then getting Reese we're like yes Reese and then knowing that and having that space between Akawar and Akasif and knowing that in Akasif she's willing to say like hey you're this person that you idolize is also kind of ugly sometimes mm-hmm. um I I liked that and I liked that also there could have been this need to push Nesta into the inner circle And to have her become friends with the inner circle and to have things patched up with Feyre and to kind of just just end up giving Nesta the story arc that includes her into what's already going on. And I really like that she went away from that and gave her her own friends and really was like, yeah, things are cool between me and my sis, but it doesn't have to be like this this big like now we're best friends and we're gonna do everything together but it's like she has her own group and her own story and um and Reese also sucks he was very annoying in this book he's yeah. so annoying <laughs> so annoying like oh my god shut up and he was rude and and for somebody who's been alive for so long he really was just very blasé about Nesta's pain and her and her trauma, and he was just like, you suck, get it together, stop spending my money, I'm gonna lock you away in this tower, basically, until you figure your shit out. Good luck walking 10,000 steps. Bye! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I, like, I don't know, I think what was most hurtful is just the fact that, like, Farah has proved herself time and time again with these people, and they don't trust her to handle the truth. Like, she literally died to free them. Um, and she almost lost Reese. She lost her dad in the war. Her sisters were turned. She's been through so much trauma in such a short period of time, and they still don't trust her with the truth, even though they're supposed to be her friends also. But 
Yeah, we just, I mean, and I think Amanda's right. We just get to see that, like, Reese is a person. He's not perfect. But especially after what he went through under the mountain and the different ways he had to cope, you would think he would have more empathy for Nesta. Um, yeah. Essentially having her life flipped on its head. And, like, she's not like Feyre where she willingly entered Prithian. Like, you just brought up such a good point, actually, because, like, Reese was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> to anybody, to any, to, except for, like, five total people, mm-hmm. he was an ass. And that was partly to protect Valaris, but also to protect his own feelings because he was so angry at what was going on with Amarantha and all that bullshit. Like, bitch, you're being a hypocrite. Oh, Bye. totally. Totally. And I think that's just, that's what the fear did, is it removed any sense of reasonableness from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I can imagine, you know, if you were having a baby, even as a person, and there there was complications like that, I, I think it probably brings out the worst in people sometimes. And I think it just humanizes him. At, he's a fae, but, you know, like, humanizes him to the reader. Yeah. Even these people that we idolize are not perfect, just like real life. But. Yeah, so essentially, you know, they are like, okay, we're going to send Nesta away. Um, so they have Cassian go and collect her from her apartment. She does not take and too he kindly. Says, yes. Um, and he goes, I can smell all the males in here. <laughs> Yuck. Yuck. Gross. Um, well, they got a good sense then, of smell, and Nesta's yeah. been, you know, busy. She, yeah. yeah. She said, I, Clearly, but I think she mentioned she did, like, two at the same time. I was like, girlfriend. Relax. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you something. One of my favorite... Well, one of the most memorable moments was when she mentions, just in her own mind, thinking about having a threesome with uh, Cassie and I. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, but like, really. <laughs> well, she did write that scene, and then the editor took it out because it was too spicy, and it would take away from the relationship between her and Cassie. See, okay, that's actually... No, Bella. No, <laughs> So that's actually, that's how I feel about all of the smut in this book because this book was extremely horny for Nesta and I think that it was actually kind of to a fault because I feel like the smut scenes took away from like bigger plot points that were occurring because um obviously you know the people who are reading up to this point aren't stupid they are catching on that Cassian and Nesta are clearly mated it's like very obvious they they even talk about it in Aqua War I mean like it just, it's very yeah. clear and obvious. And we get that they're fucking a lot because that's what mates do. But I think that, like, <laughs> that it literally, it took away, my favorite parts of this book were, like, the parts when they were actually doing things and, like, getting ready to, like, do, f- I don't know, like, fighting yeah, things. No. I, and the smut pe- scenes just were kind of, like, it's, it's not helping Nesta's character development at all because we know that Nesta likes to have sex. That's like her whole personality trait when the book starts is that she's she's reading about sex, she's having sex, she's getting drunk, she's doing all sorts of stuff to deal with her traumas. But it's... It, I get one, I get two, but there's like six. There's so many in this book. I mean, We are so blessed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very that, grateful. That, that is like one of Nesta's vices, right? But the, the issue with her opening up to Cassian is it's not just some stranger from a bar. 
like it's somebody she genuinely has feelings for and she does not think that she's good enough for him and she knows everyone else thinks the exact same thing so it's a lot more consequential when she chooses to hook up with him because there are feelings mm-hmm. involved so i i get that it's like we get it nesta's horny um but like it, it's more than that when it comes to cassian as well you know well, well yes, also, that's what I'm saying, but I'm saying that there's too many. Yeah. Mm. That's, a, like, that's fair. It's just too I think, much. I think, it, to me, it was it was showing her harming herself, because even though she's mating with or having sex with the person that she will later find out is her mate, and that this bond has been forged over the course of him training her at the House of Wind, and them visiting Illyrian camps, and getting to know her new friends, and they're preparing for something really big, something between them and the and the queens and the Illyrians and just this all these tensions coming to a head by the end of the book so I think throughout and it really doesn't happen until they decide or she's being punished for another thing ever the whole book is her being punished for something and they set off into the woods and they set off to find this lake where you're supposed to like find yourself and it's a week-long hike and she's too weak but she makes it and up until that point, every single time that she had sex with Cassian, it wasn't just because she liked him. It was because she was punishing herself. Their sex was rarely ever like, I love you, let's hook up. It was something really bad just happened. Or I'm really stressed out. Or everyone was really mean but to that's, me. Like, there's that's always, how like, Reese a... and Feyre were too, though. Mm. They never had I love you sex. They only had I'm what? Just absolutely horny. The first time they Hard did it was sex. I Love You Sex because they were like coming together at the cabin. That's not. Yeah, them. that's true. I don't think that that's. No, I did not get that vibe from that scene at all. Well, I think for me, she this made book... him soup, Maddie. Yeah, okay. the soup. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. But they the, they the... Were, they had already been doing things though because of the one bed. He fingered her once. That hardly counts. Yeah. That hardly counts. <laughs> what what, what is Amanda great? <laughs> <laughs> I was just always going to say is that for me, this book is like two separate parts. There's mm. that satisfies two things for me. And that's the, the smut part of it, which was to me fantastic. I thought it was well written. I love some detailed, disgusting, nasty shit in my books. Oh, and yeah. then two, the other side of it is that the plot was so effing good. It was yeah. so good. Nesta's journey was, like, unreal. It was so well-written. It was so powerful, and you felt strong when you were reading it. And then you could also go back into, like, the nastiness and a couple chapters after. And then go back to how cool Nesta's growth is. I will say that the first part of the book, though, man, Nesta was annoying. I mean, at the beginning yeah. of the book, I'm just like, I get it, dude, but you're being, like, the most frustrating human on this planet, and, and like, we need to grow up. And then she Stay does, on which, this is, planet. which is, yeah. yeah, right, you're right. Um, uh, yeah, and it's infuriating, She's just too, so because, frustrating. Well, and Cassian, like, he's a good person, and you can tell that yeah. she cares about him, and they had that moment during the war, and it just, it seems like she's just pretending it never happened, which is so unfair to him. Like, he's trying, he's giving her space, too, and she, we, I, I personally, when I started this book, I was so frustrated with her, because I was like, give him a chance, come on. Yeah. Um... And, you know, he's the funny, goofy guy, and so to watch him pine over her and be hurt repeatedly with her actions, it was frustrating. And obviously, 
she's kind of taking it out on herself and we get her monologue where she's like, I'm not good enough for him. I'll never be good enough for him. Nobody thinks I'm good enough for him, which I think is a very real moment, obviously. But like, I think that's why I think so many people are just like so frustrated with her at the beginning that they choose not to like open their hearts up to her. And that's why this book is like so controversial to the fandom. Like people love or hate Nesta. Yeah. I love her just because like. Mm -hmm, me too. It, it I think this journey is even more instrumental than like Pharaoh's because Pharaoh had to deal with you know like she had killed people and she had changed but like Nesta has such a deep self self-loathing and she feels so alone so to watch her throughout this book um to realize her own self-worth obviously like she's literally by the end one of the most powerful beings um in all of Prithian uh, and to develop her own friendships I don't know I just thought it was really incredible and I, I just think that people who write off Nesta just get too much into how she acts in the beginning and they can't empathize enough with her but we also get introduced to some of her new friends I want to yes. talk about the house really bad yes oh go yeah. ahead because I just love that fucking house. <laughs> I think that I just think that's such a cool random aspect that gives Nesta her first friend. The yeah. first the first sentient thing she can she can have a relationship with that won't mm -hmm. judge her, can't judge her. Well, right. can be shady, kind I of, guess. Yeah. <laughs> um right, can judge her a little bit, but but the first thing that's like there to protect her and not yeah. not talk back if you will mm -hmm. but it just it's sassy it's fun it just added an element of like whimsical kind of um totally whimsical fantasy mm -hmm. instead of the the traditional fantasy that we get with like um the fae and the the, yeah. the powers and all of that it just it gives it something interesting that i really liked i loved the, the it would give her smut books yeah um, <laughs> it had great taste it would yeah, yeah, and a great taste. I did think, I remember, if I remember correctly, wasn't there a part where the house, where Nesta made a comment how it would be kind of weird that the house was watching her, like, yeah. touch herself? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like, okay, weird. Uh, I don't know, I just, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. I did too. Yeah, and they, they attributed their, like, I think it was Cassian who told her that, like, she made the house come alive, and that was, like, yeah. her, um... <laughs> I don't know, it was, like, her, like, character peak when she realizes that, like, things aren't, like, totally awful all the time, and she has, like, uh -huh. all this power still, and, yeah, yeah. that's nice. Well, I think she's, like, so closed um, off, too, it was instrumental to have somebody who, like, wasn't a person start to crack her shell, right? Like, because she's just so standoffish, so the house, like... Amanda's right. It was whimsical. It was fun. Um, it was kind of like passive aggressive and sassy. Like it would do things that made me laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it really like started to open her up so that when she did meet people like Gwen and Emery, she was ready to kind of let people in a little bit. Yeah. And she, uh, Gwen is one of the priestesses at the library within the house right it's at the house mm -hmm. and then um emery is like a shopkeeper or a barkeeper um who had her her wings clipped and the three of them you know 
I, I can't remember what book this was in, but there's another book that this particular scene, or maybe it was a movie, that reminds me of the scene when Nesta puts up the sign-up sheet and, like, nobody signs up, and then eventually, like, there's one name on there and it's Gwen, and she comes up, and then um, she's, like, talking to Emery down at her shop, and she, she's like, well, why don't you come up sometime? And she's like, I can't fly, and she's like, somebody can come pick you up, and then she goes out to practice one day, and she's practice like it's like hockey or something but she goes out there and there's like somebody out there um and Emery's there and so then she and Gwyn and Emery all are training with Cassian to become warriors which is a big character development for Gwyn and Emery because both of them have trauma that involve males uh, especially Gwyn because of her whole uh, background, which I yeah. thought, to be honest, was going to be a little darker than it actually ended up being. Um, I mean, it's still pretty fucked up. So, did you want it to I, be more dark, Maddie? Uh, no, no. <laughs> her sister getting that she was talking about in front of her, not enough. <laughs> no, it, it's just like her her fear of males is something that you see a lot in like women who have been like, you know, yes, essay. and so. Um, that's kind of like what I was expecting to be her trauma. Not that getting seeing your sister getting decapitated isn't as like isn't like bad like that, but it just like her her fear of men in general, it just didn't really like connect totally for me, if that makes sense. Wait, are we talking about Gwen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was on the table stripped and yeah. told by Hybern soldiers that she they they did one no, of they them did not. Did. No, they did I not. I thought they did. They did not. She definitely got. Why she doesn't like? No, being she did touched. not. I'm literally going to Google it right now. She did not. Somebody came in and saved her before Azriel. I think. It was Azriel who came in and I saved her before he, anything bad could happen he... to her. Huh. Um. Here from, Wiki fandom, Gwyneth and Azriel first met. When Gwyneth was 26 years old at the temple, she was by a hybrid general. Mm-hmm. It, it does not say that in the book. It's a, it does. It, it does, does it's not really on there. there. No, let me speak, women. What oh. happened was... <laughs> Whoa, Brielle! <laughs> Whoa. Attention. Okay. Attention. Attention. Court order. What happened was, she was in she was on the island that had mm-hmm. one of the pieces of the cauldron that Hybern was after to wield the magic of the cauldron and his soldiers invaded their space and they did kill her sister and her mom right in mm-hmm. front of her along with many of the other priestesses and women that lived on this island and then they stripped her and strapped her to a table i think she was hiding under first and one of them and then that soldier said, all right, boys, your turn. Everyone gets around. And that is mm. when oh, yeah. Azriel showed up and released yeah. her from her constraints and freed her and took her to the library where all the other priestesses were who in their past have had similar stories. So I swear it did happen. It, and that was where her hatred of men came from. It says on what ha- she was what I- and another person was getting ready to do it. And then Azriel showed up. No, mm-hmm. this is how I'm remembering it. Okay. Let, Let me, me explain. That's what the book says. 
I don't trust Wiki. Anybody can write that. And it, like knowing the theories that Akatar fans come up with, I don't trust it. So this is what I'm trying to find the chapter. I can't find the chapter, but this is what I remember happening. Okay, she's on the island. She had there's all the kids that she's with. She sacrifices herself to let the kids go through a trap door. She finally closes the trap door when they walk into the kitchen. They bring out her sister and they're like, "Tell us where the kids are." And she's like, "I don't know where the kids are." And so they decapitate her sister. They prepare to a but Asriel comes in before anything can happen. Hang on. I'm doing no, some research here. It did happen. I'm trying to find what chapter it is, but I it's can't chapter find what 38. chapter it's in. It's chapter okay. 38. I just Googled it. I Googled it too. What the hell? Is it really that? <sighs> I'm going to maintain a neutral third party in this situation and wait for the answer. Okay, regardless. Okay, let's just move on. Regardless of what... We, we can look it up <laughs> afterwards and we can talk about it in the um, in the closing, Courtney. Okay. But we'll move on, because Amanda has to go in 30 minutes, and so I want to make sure we can get through a good portion of this stuff. So, okay. Next up. So, I really wanted, um, so, big, big plot point we've already talked about a lot is that Feyre's pregnant. And something that is interesting to me, and something that I personally would really, really love to see happen in the next book, or not even the next book, just in the series in general, Feyre dies. that... Well, yeah. No, I really, I really want, I really want this, ba I really wanted this baby to kill Feyre. Like, I really wanted her. To I just want, I just want some consequences. Yeah, I like, I just want somebody, I just want somebody to actually die. Like, I'm so tired. We are five books into this, and just everybody is still alive. And it's just, even Tamlin is still alive. And I'm just like, I'm ready for somebody to just get got. Like, I'm ready for it just to happen. <laughs> Sorry so to interrupt you on murder. Please. What do you want to see, or what did you like? Okay, this is what I want to see. So, in the story, they're talking about how... Um, just because you're born to a high lord doesn't mean that you are going to become the heir of that court. And I thought that it, but there needs to be some sort of like familial relationship between the heir of the court. So technically what I think would be really awesome to happen is that Nesta and Cassian have a baby and that baby is the heir to the court because it would cause a lot of drama between Nesta and Feyre. It would cause Reese to pretty much be, like, feral and probably want to kill their baby, which would be amazing. Not to kill the baby, but, like, to, like, have him, like, go and, like, try to, like, destroy their lives. Um, they also talk a lot in this book, and I think also in Akawar, about how there is a captain who, or not a captain, but a, a general who betrayed their lord. And since Cassian is the general it would be kind of like a juxtaposition of that where he didn't mean to betray Feyre and Reese. his baby that he had also is Nesta which is also part of Feyre who is the high lady and that baby that they had is the actual heir to the court and I think that would be really really cool and then like it, you can kind of um because, like, they're coming together, but you can see them break apart and go into two different sanctions. I don't know if I'm, like, thinking sort of, like, in the House of Dragon mindset where, like, you have the blacks versus the greens. But, like, <laughs> I like I would really love to see something kind of like that where it's, like, I just think that would be so cool. Um, a quick backtrack just to settle the score. He beheaded Katrin right there along with two other priestesses. And then he told his soldiers to go to work on me. 
he claimed me and I spat in his face. Tears slid mm. down her cheeks and then he dot 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 went to work. Nessa's heart mm. cracked. I hadn't yet participated in the great right and we were so remote up there that I had never had the chance to lie with a male and he took that from me too. Mm. And then he called over three of his soldiers and told them to keep going until I revealed where the children had gone. The first had just unbuckled his belt when Azriel arrived. So she did. It was the first soldier did in command of the unit. And then he told the rest of his men to come over and do gotcha. the same thing to her. And Azriel rescued her after the first. Gotcha. We should probably include a trigger warning at the beginning. We of should this. definitely put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's, so I, I totally understood why she felt the way that she did. And that the only male she seemed to really trust was Azriel. And that's, there is, you know, in the, the I Barnes think and Noble I edition, there's the extra chapter. So it's like, is there something going on between her and Azriel? Like, is he the only Hopefully. one that she trusts and they like each other? Or do they, is there something more? And I hope that we explore that later. But I think it was interesting that in this moment of like pure death and the worst thing that could possibly happen to a woman, I, I get confused or like, I don't really know if it's something that I agree with is that that's also the person who saved her is the person she falls in love with. Because I feel like that's, I understand that he saved her and that, it was a beautiful moment for the two of them to later like reconnect and to develop a friendship. But I, I just, I have an issue with like falling for her savior when in reality, like anyone could have saved her. It didn't have to be Asriel. And just because it was, doesn't mean that like they're going to end up together. So I feel like there's this interesting con confliction or some, conflict i guess that we're going to see potentially later on based especially on this bonus chapter in a court of silver flames where we get to see yeah. asriel's feelings for him and for gwen and for elaine um but i and i'm really stuck between the two of like who i think he should be with or who i think he likes more because i i worry about gwen's development as a character and her story if she just falls for the guy that saved her from being assaulted well i think too I like a lot of the Sarah J. Mass girlies will cling on to, like, one thing, and they're like, they have to be together. Like, the plotting and scheming that goes on when people are trying to figure out what's going to happen in these books in the future is sometimes a little bit unhinged. Um, and, like, I, I feel like we don't even know Asriel super, super well. Like, we just get everyone else's outside opinions of him. So it's really hard for, at least for me, to try and conceptualize, like, who he would pick or whatever. And I... I mean, mm -hmm. it's very clear he has feelings towards Elaine. Like, that's way more clear in the books to me than, like, his potential draw to Gwen. I think he respects her, and he knows that she's gone through a lot to, to, to see her out of the library and training. I think, like, that's a really beautiful moment for friendship. But I agree with Brielle. I don't know that, like, having that tra trauma bonding, like, savior complex type relationship would cheapen her journey or anything like that. But I also mm -hmm. like in the bonus chapter, I'm not sure if you guys have read that, but he goes, he gets something for Elaine and he's not allowed to give it to Elaine because Reese says no. So then he gives it to Gwen. I don't think that's super meaningful. Like, I like, mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a, oh, well, I already got this. And he literally like struggling. I think he's struggling with it because Elaine is. Well, he's had a lot of hard times too. Yeah. yeah. That we hopefully will learn more about. He's struggling because Elaine has a different mate. He's struggling because he lived basically in captivity at the hands of his family and was burned and tortured his whole childhood. 
And then now there's Gwen, who's like, just like everybody else in his life, who somehow has saved from something super traumatic. And he's just constantly seeing darkness and shadows. That's literally his whole character is that he is a sh- like among the shadows. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I want for him going forward. But in mentioning Gwen, I think this is like a plot point we haven't talked a lot about is that the three women, the three main little inner circle that Nesta has found herself part of and has developed, they are training to become Valkyries. I forgot how to pronounce it. Valkyries. 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 And they are the equivalent of an Illyrian warrior, but made entirely out of a female band. And they've been disbanded over the years. They all died out and they are training to become just like them. And when they do, the Illyrians are threatened. And we're talking about this, the whole development of an Illyrian warrior involves this very like Hunger Games-y like mountaintop climb, fight to the death, make it to the top of the mountain and receive your ranks. And they steal all three women in the middle of the night to be like, you're not a real warrior. Yeah. Put yourself to the, we're going to put yourself to the test, but really it was there so that they could kill them all. I wasn't expecting that piece when that happened. I don't know. I was not expecting that to happen. That was a really good twist, I think. I think it was done really well and I think watching major spoiler as if this whole thing isn't is that Nesta doesn't win you know Mm. she at the very very end she makes sure that Emery and Gwen make it to the top of the mountain but it's not her priority to win she wants to help them rewrite their story and I think that's amazing character development for Nesta who has never given a shit about anybody for a very long time that she does not have to be the winner she does not have to climb to the top of the mountain she will stand at the base or at this line in the sand in the most part of this climb to defend these two women and to make sure that they are successful and yeah and then cassian flies down <laughs> under the lore of or the lure of a human queen who's now turned old and wrinkly fey from the last few books yeah. um mm-hmm. to kind of destroy nesta because she's angry at the way that she stole from the cauldron and made and took its gifts and ruined her you know her life and this yeah, is where nesta like transitions I was so pissed whenever Cassian showed up. I was like, is he fucking saving her right now? Like, what the fuck? Like, this is so messed up. But then he was actually possessed, and I was like, okay, good. Yeah. I was so worried. <laughs> I was like, I was like not well, more men saving women. And I, like... No, that wouldn't work with Nessa's story, too. Like, he yeah, can't exactly. save her. This is, like... Exactly. Yeah. Um, and exactly. I, like... I, I did think it was a plot twist that they were put into the right, but you could tell that, like, something was going to happen with the Illyrians, right? Because a ton of them died in that war. Um, when Nesta called out Cassian's name and saved him, like, they were just obliterated, right? And uh, mm-hmm. they also kind of have, like, this backwards culture where, you know, they clip women's wings and stuff like that. So they're... They're behind the times, and, like, you can feel the tension throughout the book building. I thought somebody was going to do something to Cassian. Like, that's where I thought the the whole Illyrian conflict was going. But I will say, I was a little bit confused with, like, the whole... And Maddie and I kind of talked about this a little bit, too. The whole, um... The human queen, like, aligning with Emery's cousin. I just didn't really... I don't know. I, I understand. Like, yeah. I feel like the, the Illyrians could have done that without needing prompting from, like, the human, the human fae, now queen. Um, I don't know. I feel like her conflict should have been built in a little bit more, aside from, like, looking for the trove, which obviously Nesta finds throughout the book and 
kind of wields and those are some really awesome badass moments for her I think especially in the swamp when she gets the uh, mm-hmm. the mask and stuff but so cool um it's so cool. Yeah, it was it was a good twist putting them in the right. I just I didn't love the way that she tied in the queen to all of that. Like I think there should have been all these different conflicts going on. And granted, like there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but like I don't I don't want to say I think like the Illyrians are a little bit like the mountain folk. So for them to be in on this the whole yeah, for them to be in on this whole <laughs> plot and scheme, I just like I don't feel like they showed enough prowess or like mental tenacity to be doing that and granted they were manipulated but I, I just didn't necessarily like the way that that was written but I did like that Ka- like Maddie said Cassian showed up and he wasn't there to save her um mm-hmm. so. yeah that would have been crazy to have her just build this huge like I can fend for myself I'm amazing look how powerful I am and then Cassie's like wait I, I got you hold on yeah would have totally <laughs> just I'll you her. So, yeah um, um, something that I wanted to mention, um, was, a cu- there's a, there's a couple of things actually. Uh, this book reminds me of the first book, the reasons why I like the first book. And that's that she's doing these, she's finding the troves, right? And so she's essentially going through like these trial sort of things. And I really love when that happens. So that, I think that's why I liked this one so much. I liked, and I also liked Nesta way more than I like Feyre. And so I, I think that's why I like this one the best. I gave it four stars. Okay. Yeah. Oh, high Big praise shock. for you. I know. I know. <laughs> high praise from me. Um, so she get so one thing about Nesta, and that is that she is making magic. She's making magic uh, weapons. Things. Doesn't even know it. And I really think that the sword that she named sounds a lot like anorexia. And because the way that the, I don't know how you guys read it, because I don't know how it's spelled, because I've only listened to the audiobook. So the person saying it's called like anorexia or something, it sounds like anorexia, but it's like one letter off or something Atrexia like that. Or something. Yeah. Um, something like that. Also, Solstice comes back around, and Feyre, or uh, not Feyre, Nesta has the worst people around her because you know what they get her for Solstice? Gift cards. They get her gift well, cards to Barnes and shopping. Noble. <laughs> well, I thought Asriel's gift was kind of cute. This little did that happen in the last book or in in the solstice in this book? He that gave her like a little reading light. This one. It was in this one. I thought that was cute. No, Cassian. I thought Cassian got her the Cassian reading light. Starlight. It was mm-hmm. the Christmas gift. Yeah, well, solstice comes no, back around. No, it's in this one too. There's another solstice, oh, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that she has one in here. It's. Oh, no, 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 no. Cassian gets her the music. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, I thought that was a good showing of, like, how, even though Asriel's, like, quiet and stuff, he has come to care for Nesta, too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he's kind of, like, a sal- silent ally to a lot of people in the in the group. Um, and, like, her and Amran. I liked his get role as tip. chaperone. Didn't work out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Um, also... Something that I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about is the mating aspect of things. So, th- like the like the concept of how the mates work. Okay, so Cassian talks about how from the moment he met Nesta, he had a feeling that she was his mate, right? And it's before it's she's turned like into Fay, yeah. right? 
Reese says something pretty similar about Feyre, right? But well, that's why Lucian, on, on Mon Calmai when he was like, "I've been looking for you." Yeah. Well, listen, mm-hmm. Lucian. Lucian doesn't have Calmai. any feelings about Elaine until she comes out of the cauldron. Lucian also may or may not have rocks for brains. Yeah. <laughs> but Hot take. Is, is that, Hot it's, take, Amanda. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be Tell like me this, I'm like wrong. strong. It's supposed to be Tell like a strong me I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, I don't understand, like how he would not feel it prior. So I think. Did he know? I think did Lucian Cassian might know? Be lying. Did Cassian have? Oh, did Cassian have these feelings before? Can, wait, can you mate with somebody who? Is not. That's well, the question I, I here's, have. Here's the thing, because right, it's like it's faded mates, right? It's like written in the stars. Mm-hmm. So when, when is it fated? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, it is. But I think like the concept, right? That it, it, it's like written in the stars. It's bound to happen. I think that feeds into the fact because it was the same thing with Reese and Feyre that like essentially fate knew that this would happen, and so I don't <gasps> think it's like you'll be mated. I don't think they are mated to human beings. I think it's more like, you know, whatever they're... Uh, there's, like, a, a god or some sort of higher entity that is sort of writing cauldron, these things. A cauldron, if you will. Yeah, writing these things <laughs> into being or, or anticipating their, their coming um, and making them mates and stuff. So I, I also don't... I, I really struggle with the whole Asriel conundrum because I don't want him to end up with Elaine because I think it's kind of, like, dumb to have, like, three sisters. The three, three yeah. The three and three. Yeah. I just had a theory in my head. I just Ooh. thought, well, what if Elaine dies? <gasps> that kind of gets rid of... Or you know evil Elaine. I would love evil Elaine. Right, no, there's definitely a huge, huge group of people that are like, Elaine will definitely go cuckoo bananas <laughs> in the next one. I think that that is actually a really good point because in this book um Nesta only gives her and Feyre the proper anatomy to have a child yeah. with an Illyrian. She she leaves Elaine out. I yes. I have two points on this that I think are kind of interesting is that so I want to go back to Maddie's comment about Reese figuring out that Feyre was probably his mate when she was still human. It did not snap for him, though, until after she was made Faye. Because True. it was the moment when she was killed that he lunged at Amarantha and, like, screamed, remember? And then it was, he was like, I just felt something die in me. And then it was when they were on the ceiling, like, they were on the roof and they were looking out into the stars. And he just, like, froze when they were talking before she went back to Tamlin and into yeah. the Supreme Court. He, like, froze and then he was like, oh, my God, and disappeared. And well, I think that, it's he like said a... later that it's when it clicked. Mm-hmm. I thought it so snapped think... at the at the the worm. No, <laughs> he just, thought, it snapped he just at liked the... her at the worm. <laughs> I thought it was at the event, like a long before, because he gives her like this really confused look on his face, and then he winnows away. I thought that's when it happened. He does say was... that 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 he at the calamari, the calamine. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, that he, that's because Cordy just said, like, I've been looking for you. That he yeah. was talking about looking for his mate. That's what he tells Feyre. I think, I think it's maybe I a draw like it, and it, like, both. snaps into place at some point. But I, she also I doesn't think... really delineate how exactly it works. 
Well, Hold on. I think I'm on Reddit, which is only the most accurate information. <laughs> one moment. Yes, of course, of course. Go ahead. Um, I think there's there's a capacity for something really interesting to happen with Lucian in the lane. Like, I'm really excited to figure out what it is because I want Azrael to end up happy. I think it's really sad that he's always like the errand boy in a way like he was the beaten and abused and like held captive by his family he doesn't have a mate you hear his inner monologue and maddie i hope you read it um the bonus chapter is online too um but in that last bonus chapter he's talking about like all he's ever wanted was to love and to be loved and to have something like what everyone else is kind of getting and it's like why not me so I feel like there's this desperation to him, and that's why he's kind of caught between Moore, who's gay, and he doesn't even know it. He loved her. He is starting to love Elaine, and he's starting to flirt with the idea of Gwen, and I just feel like he's desperate for a mating bond more than he is prepared for a relationship, and I would really like to see... I, I'm not opposed to Elaine and Asriel together, even though I don't like the three-and-three three thing. I think it would just be really interesting if the Lucian and Elaine mating bond is true and then both of them choose to disband it or to ignore it and to pursue other relationships because that's where their heart lies and as we know Reese's parents were mated but they didn't love each other the same so I think it would be really interesting if Elaine chooses I don't want this mating bond with Lucian I want Lucian to end up happy with someone else I really hope we see that later because I also feel like he's kind of the Aaron boy who gets beat up by everyone I feel like oh, yeah. Lucian and Azrael are actually very similar and have similar upbringings and stories so then I would like to see Azriel and Elaine end up together because it's a choice and because they they realize like I want a relationship, not a mating bond, and I am willing to forego this like faded mate storyline so that I can be with someone that I truly belong to, even if it's not like written in the stars. And then at the same time, I don't want that to mean that Lucian gets his heart broken yeah. or that Gwen has nobody either. Like I don't think everyone needs to end up in a relationship in the first place. I feel like when that happens in books, it's kind of boring. Um, but I think Lucian has had a really hard time, and I also want to see him get his his happy ending after all, you know? Like, I want to see him be okay. So I think between all of them and, like, seeing where these relationships take place and how they form, I would really actually be interested in seeing Azriel and Elaine end up together because clearly they like each other. It's a little bit forbidden, and then to make the choice to go against the universe and to go against the gods and to choose each other instead I think would be really powerful because so far we've only seen mates end up with mates and be happy yeah. and I want to see people who aren't mates end up together and be happy yeah yeah what's um, fun is the idea that Elaine just goes psycho and then yeah. it's not a book about that relationship because Elaine to me and there's also a bunch of people we haven't met yet right I Theoretically, because we meet so many new people in Akasif. But I just, I, Elaine is a weird one for me. And I'm trying to think, like, was Nesta as weird to me? Nesta was kind of obvious in her just, like, angry female lead um, vibe. But Elaine's just different. She's more shadowy to me. Definitely more, like, I don't like her. Well, here's But I didn't like too. Nesta. Right? Like... The cauldron is not necessarily a good entity, right? Like, it does a lot of things to work against them. And the cauldron and it likes Elaine. loves Elaine. It loves her. So I'm mm -hmm. almost wondering if, like, she is maybe doing its bidding in some sense. Like, I don't know. I, I think it would be interesting to see, like, her and Nesta kind of have to 
head off confrontationally, especially because of how the book ends. And I do want to bring that out too before Amanda has to hop off. I, I hated that Anne that Nesta had to go through this whole arc and then she had to give, I mean, she chose, but she had to give up all of her powers. Like she, these people have treated her so poorly and she has overcome all of her internal battles, at least to some extent. I think it's something she's going to have to fight with forever. Um, and she, I, I, and that just shows like truly at her core how good of a person Nesta is. She still gives it all up for Feyre. Um, and typically I hate books where it's like the female main character is super powerful and they have to give up everything for everyone else. But I, I think that just shows, that's kind of like a testament to Nesta's character. But I do think it would be really interesting in future books let's say Elaine is evil or she's doing the cauldron's bidding and Nesta has kind of given up her powers. So she's fighting against all odds and against a sister that she was always closer with than Feyre really growing up. Uh, I think that would be a really interesting conflict. It's just a matter of whether or not Sarah J Maas wants to commit to splitting the fandom like that. And I, we will get some answers down the line, but. I mean, she does it kind of in, in Tog and Throne of Glass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that SJM, when she wants to be and when she sees that, when she feels like it's the right move she wants to make, she's willing to be like, I don't care who your favorite character is, I'm going to yeah. fucking yeet. Yeah, destroy him. But yeah. I, I think that would be a really interesting conflict. And I also think, you know, so Elaine initially, when she was turned by the cauldron, was so depressed. And eventually she starts to come out of it. But I'm also wondering, like, why and how? Because we don't get the story behind that. So I'm wondering if she's given new purpose through something. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't trust Elaine. I don't know what she's going, I think also the gardening, like, I know that she loves flowers and stuff, but I feel like it's almost like a, um, an illusion, like a misdirection, right? Because people already associate her with being, like, so kind and sweet and nurturing because of the flowers and stuff and I think it might be kind of something that hides maybe what's going on inside maybe some plotting. hear me out yeah I got a, I got a thought oh let's 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 roll it back to a previous conversation we had about uh Sarah J Mass getting inspiration from the Bible hmm. so let's see the very first story that we have in the Bible is Adam and Eve which takes place in a garden where there it's like a beautiful place. Everybody's like loving it. Everybody thinks it's great. And then there's something, a snake or perhaps a cauldron who's feeding lies to the woman, Eve slash Elaine. And Elaine commits like this, I, I don't, I'm not gonna say, I mean, it's probably gonna be a crime, but like, you know, like <laughs> some sort of like some sin. Yeah, something. And it's, that's where she gets, like, the <gasps> basis of the inspiration is, like, Eden and then, like, making it into, like, a horrible place. Oh, my God. And I kind of can see that coming to fruition. What if she lake. killed Lucian? Everyone would hate her. I'd be so sad. Including Feyre. There, I would there love the series. Are, I would be so... I'd read the whole thing. There are <laughs> theories, I think, that... And I, I don't know the, the reason why, but there's a theory that Cassian's going to die in the next one. I've seen that also. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you would be happy if because, Cassian died. Of all the characters, Maddie. I, Cassian's my favorite bat boy, but I I would be happy if anybody died. Uh, Maddie just what, likes what were we I, I, 
Because, so we don't know much about Elaine's seer abilities. Azrael seems to, because he knows there's been one before. Um, and I think it's interesting is that, you know, when we talked about this um, on the last episode, when we were talking about the potential for the mother to have been Faye, or the dad to have been Faye, mm-hmm. like, how did Elaine get the seer genetic? Or, like, how did she get that gift? Is it from the cauldron, or is it from some it's ancestral connection? It's not. It's literally the book of knowledge. Okay. It, it's going to well, be Azriel and Elaine are going to be evil, and they're going to do something. And it's going to, A and A and E A and Adam and Eve. Well, Azriel and Elaine. Well, also, also, so in in the the story of Adam and Eve, right? The the sin is knowledge. The sin is knowledge, right? They, because after they eat the fruit, they realize yep. that they're naked and they have sentience essentially. Um, mm-hmm. But no, that is an excellent point maddie and also sarah j mass the valkyries are like a real thing it's like a nordic thing it's yeah. not like mm-hmm. brand new um so she likes to pull from all different stuff but that is an excellent point maddie so we'll have to see that would be i i i feel like the first three books were very much kind of more of a i don't want to say vanilla but like pretty easy in terms of understanding what's going on, what's happening in the storyline and like doing something as devastating as that or making like as the bad guy, like Mm -hmm. what that would be wild. It would be so cool. Devastating, cool, amazing. Like it would be a whole bunch of things that make you feel all the feels. It would give me exactly what I want out of it because I want one of the bat boys, somebody who's super close to Reese, and they're already hinting at people have done doing this in the past of them betraying their high lords in their own interest. And you know, that would solve a lot of the issue with like Lucian. Like Elaine wouldn't be picking. It would be like, I need to do my dark bidding, and I know Az will be with me to do that. Mm-hmm. And Az is getting kind of fed up. He's mm-hmm. lost a bunch. He's, he's, uh, he's and not sure what his relationship no. And maybe he just wants a freaking mate. And, and if he can't have one, and if he doesn't have one, and Elaine can't be his mate, then maybe him and Elaine can just go off and do their... They're, they're foul bidding, yes. There's also, like, like when we, when you read some of the other Sarah J. Mass books, too, some of Asriel's powers and stuff sound a lot like the other entities that are, like, evil in Throne of Glass and Crescent City. Do we know for a fact that Asriel was, like, born? Like, is that, like, a fact? <laughs> I don't know. No, born as, born as, born, born as in, like, being born Fae. Like, was he born Fae? He's, a, he's definitely a Lyrian because he's he's a Lyrian. Yeah, he was born right. Lyrian. He was one of a bunch of like brothers and siblings, and he they wasn't it like his family feared his powers because he had all these shadows, and he was also like a hands, bastard. Like... No, that was Cassian. Oh, I think, mm, maybe that, that I don't was know. Cassian. I think it was. I think it was both of his parents. I can't even remember, but like. He, we know about him being a small child. We don't know his birth. We do know Cassian's birth, like his mom in the, like, in the woods, and he was a bastard, mm-hmm. and then she died in the snow. Like, we know all of that. But I don't think we know Azrael's birth. Because I'm thinking that if he, at some point, was maybe created, but not created, like, maybe, 
I don't know, maybe he, when he's really, really little or something like that, something happens to him and his parents seek out the cauldron and they give him some power from the cauldron, which is why he has all these extra powers. And then when Elaine goes into the cauldron, she's made from what Cassian left behind, or not Cassian, sorry, Asriel left behind. Maybe. And that's I mean, why there's... they are able to bond with one another. There's also, like, different dimensions, though. Like, he, like... Amran is, from what I imagine, is heaven, and a lot of people think she's an Asteri from Crescent City. So it's equally mm -hmm. as easy to assume that maybe Asriel is from one of the... He's one of the princes of hell from, like, Throne of Glass or Crescent City or something like that. The only issue I could mm -hmm. see canonically with that would be, like, why wouldn't Amran be able to identify him as other? Right. But... Um, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. We'll just have to see. I think this is how the chips fall. Yeah. Lots of I plotting and scheming from us on... today. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that because <laughs> that's what that's what gets me so hyped for the next ones. Like I'm over here on Reddit right now. I, I didn't hear anything you said in the last five minutes. I was just on a Reddit, and then I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm like, because there was a part in Aka War where Elaine. Where Nesta says, um, I think she has a dream that Cassian dies, and Cassian says something like, it'll take more than that to kill me, and Elaine says, no, it will not. Mm. And the, the, the theory is that Highburn was going to kill Cassian, and that Elaine prevented that from happening, but if that wasn't the situation that she was referring to, like, if that, if, if it wasn't from the war, it could have been later on. So that's why people think that potentially Cassian's gonna die. Maybe um, Elaine I kills him I, and then Nesta and Elaine. I can't. Love that. I think it'd be so effed up for Nesta to kill Cassian. Mm -hmm. No, like, I think I think if Elaine killed him, like that, see, that I, as her I fleeing just don't betrayal. Think... I think I'm gonna be with, doing some reading like, later for some inspiration. For this <laughs> I haven't I haven't read the other two series and they're on my TBR. Like they're coming next, so I'm not making an assumption about like SJM's total universe. Like I can't make any inferences about how she would treat those characters. But I just can't see her doing that to Nesta after everything that she just did with this book. With everything That's that true. she did in Silver Flames, I just can't see her putting her yeah. through a second like development like that because it would take a lot for Nesta having already been through so much to go through a second. Aelin Aelin went through a lot. I don't know. I could see it. Uh, yes, but but I'm I'm not going to spoil it, but if how heartbreaking that is depends on when you read Assassin's Blade. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, in the series and how true. much it impacts you, um, because it was not crazy impactful for me. Did you read Assassin's um, Blade first? No. Okay. Even though, so I read it in the order. It, it it to me even then wasn't as horrible because it was yeah. already said and done. Past. Like we'd already it was the past, so it wasn't like impacting me now. So, I see why people think that, but to me, it's, it's not as powerful as killing somebody that we have loved and known and, 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 you know what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. 
I will say, I really, Brielle, though, that she she very well could. Like, she in Throne of Glass, yes, she is happy mm-hmm. to kill characters that we love willy-nilly. Um, yes. So it is I, willy-nilly, isn't it? Yeah, and, and this series, like, she really, the only people that die are, like, her dad, like, Nessa Fira and Elaine's dad and stuff like that. But, like, if she decides to take this down a darker route, I could easily see Cassian dying. What if Lucian yeah. has to kill Elaine? That would be sick. That would be awesome. That'd be fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I really All right, hope that's all. I'm going to end that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, really, I really hope that we're kind of on track because I think that with what we're thinking, I think that it would really... The only problem with it is that I feel like this series is so fluffy and like for like the romance girlies Mm -hmm. that I'm a little worried that we'll never get anything super serious happening in this, which you can have mm -hmm. romance and also have like horrible things happen. I feel like she did that with Akasif. Maybe not killing people, but I feel like she did the the good, the the two parts, the smut and then the story arc was really awesome. That's why I have a little bit of hope because the first four are not like that but this one is very much setting us on a road towards that so i'm yes. i'm looking forward to actually yeah. seeing what comes next i hope that i hope that this is all betrayal kind of in on the track that what's gonna happen yeah. but i know that yeah. amanda has to leave so. i do i have to work on a sunday isn't that fun so fun yeah. super fun um, before you hop off yeah. i really need you to tell maddie that she has to read throne of glass though because i know she would like it do it. You yeah. will. It's definitely not as, there's Sorry. not this, it, it's dark. It is, there's romance, but it's not like, it's nothing like Akatar. It's just mm-hmm. like, feels like what your dark heart needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you would, I think you would connect to. <laughs> um, well, we just, I, I bought it like a couple days ago. So. Selena Sardothian. Sardothian. Yeah. Sir Golfing. Alrighty. Yeah, good luck well, with the names in that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I'm going to end the recording now. So if you guys want to, I don't know, sh- shout yourselves out or anything, you have the time to do that right now. Um, but thanks for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Now thanks I feel like I need me. to make a bookstagram. I just, yeah. I've been, yeah. I'm all back in my uh, my reading era yeah. once again, and Heck I just yeah. feel like I need to join yeah. y'all over on the other side. So, yeah. I have come join I have us. My, I have my bookstagram. I haven't mm-hmm. posted in a while because it was I just got out of busy season. But uh, my bookstagram is at kinda booked. K I N D A booked. Yeah, let's see. If Brielle makes yeah. one, we will share it on the podcast page. Yes. Okay, so um, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed getting to voice my uh, feelings about Akasif. So many feelings. At least this one was better for you. Yes, and I also feel like our theories are like really good. I feel like we're in like a really good place with our theory. I feel like. I want Elaine to be evil so bad. And it would be so good. Like I I feel like the gardening, the plants and stuff, the mm-hmm. almost like the motherly life giving. Everyone loves Elaine. I feel like it would be just such a good twist for her to to be evil and awful and terrible. I, yeah. Mhm. Um I agree. But I really enjoyed our guests too. Um mm-hmm. 
I loved a lot of Amanda's insight and Brielle, of course, is very passionate yeah. about this series. So it was yes, nice to have them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice having some guests. We'll have to do it again soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but anyway, we just wanted to come on here really quick and just give you guys a little outro. So thank you guys so much for watching. If you liked this episode, make sure that you subscribe or you follow us on either uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, check out our social media. We have a lot of fun things coming to our social media soon, mm-hmm. which we're excited about. Maybe... Uh, Probably in the next episode, we might talk about it a little bit. Um, but go follow us on our socials. It's at the Woody Banter Book Club on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. And yeah. Yeah. It's about all folks. Any, yeah. Anything else you want to add while we're here? Um, you know, I don't think so. Thank you guys for all of the support and for following along with us for the last couple months. This is our 16th episode. Um, so we're super grateful for all the love and support. Um, but aside from that, as always, happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs>